0: Just can't get over how bad the rapping is.
1: <laughs> My name is Wally and I am here. I like food and so do you. And again, I feel bad because they're they're chi- they're children. Hey, hey, (laughs) and welcome. That was a very crusty (laughs) intro there. Welcome, everyone, (laughs) to 1001 Album Complaints. That's right. It's the podcast for (laughs) four lifetime musicians, lifetime critics, and lifetime friends. Pick apart the 1001 albums you have to hear before you die. I'm here in the studio. My name is Adam. I am joined by our regular crew of... I am Tom. I'm Phil. And I'm Rob. Awesome. Well, welcome, everyone. If you didn't hear our prior episode, first off, how dare you? <laughs> Secondly, we went over Devendra Bonhart's Rejoicing in the Hands, which, if you've never heard the album, it's it's a mic in a room with a guy. This week, we've got the polar opposite, which is MIA's album Kala, wherein she used just about every tool in the toolkit Every button and box in the studio. So we've got a great, uh, a uh, a great divergence here of the sound. Quite possibly no
2: acoustic instruments on this entire album, right? All computer. One might say overproduced.
1: <laughs> you think? <laughs> we'll we'll get into we'll get into that. Yeah, I didn't actually see any live musicians listed. But anyway, so this week's artist is M.I.A. Uh, Her actual name is Matungi Alvaro Pagasam. I probably butchered that. But anyway, she goes by Maya amongst her friends. Uh, We're viewing an album today called Kala. It was released in 2007. It is her second album. Her first album was released in 2005. That one was called A Ruler, which uh, is actually the political code name that her father used. Kala, this album from 2007, is actually her mother's name. So she kind of broke it up there between the parents now this album was recorded all over the world in chennai india in trinidad australia liberia of west africa north america and the uk so again diverging from last week's album which was a guy in a room most likely in san francisco (laughs) and on this one one, we're just we're, we're we're globe hopping so initial thoughts gentlemen
3: I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember
2: um, the text that was going back and forth where you know, Robbie were like, maybe I'll try listening to this as I work out. Like, maybe that's going to get me in the mood for it. And I do think that this is like situational music. If you are in a club... I would much rather hear this music than any other music I've ever heard at a club in my life, basically. But if I'm sitting by myself in my house and I'm just like, let me just put on an album that I can listen to right now. I don't want something that starts off with... You know, somebody's screaming to me about this is a bamboo banger. And, bamboo you know, banger. I <laughs> yeah. love
1: her accent, though. Oh, God, She
2: great. does have a great accent. I love it, she, she it on some, it. some she, of these
1: she tracks. She can't sing that well. She cannot sing either. Yeah, she can't really <laughs> sing. There's other thing of not-singing singers out there. I know. <laughs> there are a lot of not-singing
2: singers. So I will also say that, you know, Rob, you put together sort of a list of all the stuff that was sampled and some of the other songs. Once I listened to all of the songs that she borrowed from... It immediately became less impressive to me because borrowed from could also just mean I took the song and yep. kind of put my bad verse over it. I found it to be entertaining right. if I was like cleaning the house or doing something frenetic. But yeah, I could not picture myself just popping this on in the, on an afternoon. What was the, the
3: what in your opinion, what was the most egregious?
0: <laughs> offense. Plagiarism. Oh, right. Oh, okay. I have an. Well, we're going to talk about the I song later. On yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: we're going to talk about the song. I think we probably
0: are going to pick the same song. <laughs> okay, well, let, let me start with my first impressions, because I agree with what you just said, Tom, that as I got deeper into it and started realizing and researching, basically started to realize that it was kind of a covers album, more or less. That made it way less impressive and, and even way less interesting than it was. It started as just an assault on the senses. <laughs> You know, that's honestly what I felt. And even when I tried to put it on when I was running, it didn't quite fit. I agree with a higher heart rate, it, it's it's automatically better. But then it, I, it did make me wonder the assault on the senses approach is kind of like a Westerner's first time in Southeast Asia. It reminded me a little bit of the first time I rolled into when I went, went to Malaysia for the first time. And I felt like Dorothy opening the door into the land of color. Like it's intense. And I'm you know, India, Africa, places like that, I think have a similar effect on travelers. So maybe that was part of the goal.
1: I'm not sure. That's interesting. Yeah, I I'd been to India once and Rob, same thing, right? There's a smell, right? There is the the horn's beeping, it's ninety eight degrees and humid, there's mosquitoes. You know, you're right, it's just a, a full frontal assault. So if she was going for that, well done. yeah
0: so but i definitely had a little bit of an oh no feeling like do i really have to listen to this this many times yeah it did remind
3: me of animal collective in that way a little bit i was trying to find something that was something that i could sort of like grab onto. like what can i compare this to but that was sort of all i got and rob to your point like their their style is an overwhelming sort of jungle maze of of sounds, right? More than it is traditional music.
1: So she, uh, just in terms of of the albums, right? 2005, she put out a very political album. And the idea behind that album, she said was that she had never heard music in a dance club where uh, they were pumping it and it had some type of political message or some type of change the world message. So that's where she kind of jumped in. So the 2005 album a ruler, was more – I hesitate to use the word groundbreaking, but it was something new. So of of this album that came out in 2007, she said at the Red Bull Music Academy interview, because I wanted to know kind of her thoughts. I listened to a bunch of interviews this past week, and she said – this is the quote. It's a little bit long, but it kind of gives an idea of maybe – what we're all kind of feeling with the album too. She says, uh, this album isn't like, Oh, here's my music. I'm making music and this is an album and here are my songs. And this is what I learned in productions. This is what I learned as an artist. This is what I am as a performer. It wasn't, it was kind of, there are a few things I need to figure out about the planet and how shit works. You know, what's important, what's not important, what's important to teach people and learn as human beings. And at the end, she says, this album is her trying to figure out what she wants to do next. And I don't know if that's music. So, so, She's in a spot, right? I, I would say, I don't sure. know if this album is music.
3: I actually, I really appreciate that. It makes me feel like she's very self-aware of what this sounds like.
0: <laughs> here's okay. But here's the only thing. Yeah, that is nice. Here's the only thing that plays a little bit against it. I didn't, I watched a little bit of her in interviews, but, and then that plus what I understand to be the lyrical approach on the album Kala and her delivery of those lyrics is it's definitely kind of cynical and removed as opposed to sincere and political that that's at least how it comes off to me there's there's a sarcasm to to everything she does she's talking about a guy taking her to Darfur on some kind of genocide world tour right. she's talking about you know even the even the big hit is kind of has that laconic delivery so I don't exactly get a lot of sincerity from her or or from her persona uh, in interviews either. And that that kind of took something away from it for me as well. It it ain't fight the power. Like I believe what those guys are saying. Right.
2: Yeah. She was coming for an anti-Western type of vibe. I think that there is somewhat of a maybe a rejection of materialism is not the exact term that I'm looking for here, but maybe more of like an awareness of like what materialism means in different parts of the world. That I think I I found that to be something that I appreciated, but then it it was kind of lost in just the again, that full frontal assault of what's going on. The sound of the music. (laughs) The sound of the music. The but also the delivery that she's giving is not Listen, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like a hip hop aficionado or anything like that, but there is a talent to being able to make your words be understandable when you are saying things quickly and not lose the narrative thread because every third word you can't understand what's going on. It's one of the reasons why I particularly hate where, like, kind of the mumble rap that's very popular these days because, like, I can't understand what you're saying. Like, show me some cleverness. And she's not she doesn't enunciate well enough. And she's also not a particularly good rapper in terms of like staying on the beat. And I I think you just get lost a lot in that.
0: I feel like one other thing needs to be said as a starting out point and and where I came to the album from, which is this is the album that has paper planes on it. A song that I'm sure we were all extremely familiar with and the world is familiar with and that I like, and I still like. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of going at the album thinking, well, hopefully I'll find some more stuff like that. That has yeah, creative, fingers crossed. Yeah, creative production, good melodies, interesting use of samples, you know, things like that. And this was ex- that was not the case. This was extremely light on melody and lyrics. I would argue, it's right? Heavy on well, rhythm.
2: Uh, Paper planes is pretty light on melody too. It is very droney.
0: <laughs> you know, compared to yeah. the rest of this album, I'd yeah. say it's it's freaking ABBA. <laughs>
1: So, we, okay. so I know we We always like to talk about, could we hang with them, right? Could we grab a beer with them? And listening to some of the, the interviews, she comes off a little pretentious. And I, I have something where I don't gravitate to people who use the phrase as an artist a lot. And then they fill in the sentence, right? Because there's just some very highfalutin, like, well, as an artist, which I am, did I mention I'm an artist? So there was one example where, She was talking to an interviewer, and she was saying how kind of annoyed she was that Western music has only like two scales, like major and minor, and that Western music is so caught up in 4-4. And so she wrote a song called Bird Flu, which I guess threw all that out the window. And I was like, oh, let me go listen to Bird Flu. Bird Flu is in 4-4, and there's not a single note on it. So it's not like she had like fully explored the Western (laughs) scales and then been like, I need more. It's like if if you gave me a guitar and I was like, sorry, these frets, sorry, they're just robbing me of my creativity. Give me a fretless guitar, set me free. (laughs) Right. I went away with a fretless guitar and then I came back having written uh, "Blister in the Sun." Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't tie out, you know. So that was a little. A, a little bit pretentious for for me from that whole are, line are you of artist talking shit on blister in the sun by the way. Great song, but it's <laughs> pretty simple is what I'm going with here. Yeah, that you wouldn't yeah. need you know full full range of every note and half scale and all that stuff. So yeah, I
2: I mean I think she's pretty and in my twenties I probably would have been very attracted to like pretty hipster girl, pretty exotic hipster girl, certainly. Um, I, that is the other thing that I found myself listening to this album. I'm like, I'm just too old for this. I'm just too old for this album. I, if I was young and wanted to do things and move, I, then I probably, if I was, more specifically, like if I was like, I'm trying to go out and like meet people and dance at clubs and stuff like that, I would be happy that they were playing this kind of music compared to a lot of the other music that I've heard of clubs.
1: Right, and she she notes that she had started going to clubs at like twelve years old. She would sneak into these clubs in London where they were just playing house music, you know, that's for not, ten hours straight, and she's in there. <laughs> <laughs> but she also said she's one of those people that kind of you know I thought of like Yoko Ona, where she said I'm an artist first, and then I choose my medium. Right. So she started off doing uh, uh, textile and visual design for some friends. Uh, bands. And so she was designing the cover art, but let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about where MII came from. So it's a very interesting backstory. So she was born in 1975 in London. So she's about five years older than, than us here at six months old, her parents moved her back to Sri Lanka. And so the first 11 years of her life were marked by displacement by the Sri Lankan civil war with the, with the tumble tigers. So when she was around 11 years old, she moved back with her mom. Her father stayed back because he was a political activist, somehow centered around the Tamil Tigers, not getting too much into the politics because I'm not 100 percent sure of the, the history of that. Well,
0: we should say at least that she is ethnically Tamil, which is the minority in Sri Lanka. Correct. And so they were fighting again, like kind of fighting a bit of a revolution or something akin to that against the the ethnic the gov-
1: majority,
0: the government's right. army there. Yeah. All right.
1: So it sounds like it was an extremely unpleasant way to grow up. They basically came back as refugees and they were put into a slum in the south of London, uh, where she spent most of her time until I think she went to college. So when she grew up there, she said one of only two Asian families or South Asian families it was a, an extremely racist environment to spend your form your your formative years in. But she she went to school and she got into to visual arts. Like I said, she she grew up going to these techno clubs in London, these underground techno uh, clubs for a while. Oh, uh, hold on, a second. She, yeah, hold on a second.
0: Visual arts. Visual arts. I heard that too. Did, did I, I? You mean she? That did cover did she is ma-
1: terrible. Did she major in MS Paint? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the pixelated, the pixelated cover art is not. Uh,
3: it's yeah, I
1: trash. should look up maybe some of her other works again. She's an artist, maybe. Yo, she's... I like
3: this cover art, I mean, I know we debated this, but yeah, I'll take <laughs> it. debated yeah. it over
1: text. Let's hear it, Phil. What's what's because I'm not a visual arts guy. I, Tell just me what's like good it.
3: About. I find it nice to look at. I found it to be one of the more pleasant pieces of the experience <laughs> with
2: oh, this don't... record. She looks cool, it sounds like it's not an eyeball. Yeah. She does look I cool. I just think
3: it looks cool. Yeah, that's um, cool.
2: it says fight on. Uh, around her, I don't right. get that this is like a you know raise the fist in resistance type of album though, and that's it seems a little pretentious, a little maybe. But, but please continue. But we just couldn't <laughs> let that pass. So that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Down. Yes, exactly. No, that, that's Visual right. artist. I was like, I, I also had access to a Macintosh from 1987 <laughs> at one point.
1: Rob, did you say Mario Paint? <laughs> exactly yeah oh that's brilliant so anyway she was doing art stuff i won't say visual arts i'll say art stuff she did a couple album covers for some friends and in 2006 she got her hands on a roland mc 505 now i didn't do a lot of digging on this but i did go look up like the one minute advertisement from like 1997 for the roland mc 505 and the uh the the youtube advertisement was just pure gold it was like a, a guy with short hair that had like the bleached tips from like you know backstreet boys and he was showing you all the beats and the synth thing and it was it was great but anyway so she gets one of these and she makes a six-track demo and uh farmed it out basically so that was what, what year was this this uh, 2003 I... she recorded the, that six-track demo
2: okay so she's like what like 28 at that point or something like that she's old yeah, yeah. yeah like that For, seems to, like to be jumping like to be yeah Making music for young people, especially. <laughs> Maybe she was a, a youthful 28, but uh, at 28,
0: I was definitely over that. I was, well, that's a good point. So by the time this came, this was released, she was into her 30s, right? That's what I yeah. understand. Yeah. She like 32
2: yeah. years old when this was released or something.
0: Yeah. I think the charitable read of this, my sort of initial read before I realized that a lot of these were either remixes or covers in disguise or whatever, was that it's like field recordings, which I do find to be an interesting sort of ethnological, ethnographic kind of project to rove around the world and hang out with people in different places and try to pick up their vibes and get them on tape and be that documentarian, you know? But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is this something everyone could get away with? That's really what I want to say. Is that
1: inappropriate to say? Can we just... (laughs) if i just decided to globe hop and all that is, is the question yeah, just remix some nine-year-old songs right. from seven years ago would that be acceptable Man. i want to try <laughs> <laughs> quit my yeah. job and what did, what happened to adam well he's uh, going and redoing the uh, smash mouth <laughs> album <laughs> but using all i don't know trinidad you know musicians <laughs>
0: I, that mean, is, I, I will back that project right now. <laughs> Give me the Kickstarter, like.
2: I would back that project too, but uh, something tells me that uh, you might fall victim to the uh, the sort of Paul Simon Graceland. You know, you're just a white dude coming into a, an African uh, country yes. and being like, "Is there a way that I can just make my sound like a little bit more interesting by stealing a whole bunch of stuff from you?" Stealing cool. All right. Idea. Totally. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. That worked out for him, though. So it did work
2: yeah. out for him. It's great yeah. album. I love that album. And we'll probably do that album at some point.
3: Wonderful. Hopefully. You never know what made this list of 1001 records. We can talk about this some other time. <laughs> I don't want to beef on this too hard. Adam, you were saying? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so 2005, she drops or releases. As an old man, I'm going to say releases. I, I feel like as a 40-year-old man, I can't say drop and people actually like listen to an old man say that. So she released her first album in 2005 to great critical acclaim. I listened to some of it. It's probably a little more raw, I guess. Less produced. More less, raw. Less stolen yeah. songs. I mean, it has... Yeah, I mean... Less if stolen to call it songs. <laughs> <laughs> less thievery.
2: I can see why she would totally be like a critical darling. It makes a ton of sense to me right, that she right. would be... I read... One guy who said that he thought that it was like the best album that came out between 2000 and 2010, and I was like, "Oh, you must listen to terrible music." What the hell is <laughs> wrong with is... you?
1: <laughs> He's got a Zune with only a hundred <laughs> songs on it, and this is. What...
0: <laughs> Here is another charitable read: is that it's a it's a sort of a sleeper cell to get non Western music into Western ears. And in that sense, it maybe has succeeded. So I give I, I, I have to if that's what the, what its goal was or whatever, I could give it some credit for that. With the four of us,
2: <laughs> well, Which it I expanded will say. My
0: Spotify scope for
2: sure. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But uh, like most of the of the dominant samples are just Western songs as well, you know, like the Romantics and the Clash and stuff like that. She's not like there's a couple of sort of oh I never would have heard that before type of songs, but not a, not a ton.
0: Dude, that one Tamil song is a jam. I'm gonna be rocking that now. Oh yeah, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy's a jam too. No, that's yeah, a, that's, a, that's in Hindi. Uh, that, that is oh, yeah. straight up I like Hindi the other disco. Song too. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So she finishes up with her 2005 album. Uh, you know, everybody loves it. And it's time for her for her next release. And so the intention was that she was going to come to the U.S. and produce an album, a majority that was going to be done with Timbaland. Right. The idea that she said, well, she assumed the next progression in her career was going to be get a few more backup dancers, get this Timbaland album produced, you know, rap more about sex and, and whatever. She got hung up. She wasn't able to get into the U.S. because of a visa issue. Ie, they didn't let her in probably because of her father or what have you. Somebody looked and said she's you know gonna stir the stir the shit or something. So they stopped her and she wound up traveling around the world to these Just different countries. Quick. And yeah, please. How
2: long do you think that she like went out to lunch on the whole? Like I was barred from entering <laughs> into the United States because of my political stances. <laughs> it's like
1: she was she <sighs> tiptoed around it and didn't actually. She was she said uh, I wasn't blacklisted, but so. I don't really know what that Well, it
0: sounds means. like her dad is a, somebody yes. like a, an operative for the Tamil Tigers, which has been labeled by the U.S. I'm sure there's a gray area. I, right. In my brief amount of research, my best guess is they're akin to a Hamas or something. You know, they have some good ideas and they started. They've done some good things. They've done some terrible things, you know, blah, right. blah, blah. But right. definitely the U.S. thinks of it as a terrorist group. Yes. So
1: I don't exactly blame the U.S. for not letting her in. Right. <laughs> so she winds up making what? feels like after hearing the one timbaland cut on the album all of the rest it's very obvious that she did it herself right like you you listen to that i think it's the last track on the album and it's just out of left field feels and sounds completely different than the rest so i it almost seems like uh you know she finished and they said well you still got that contractual obligation for timbaland so she like came in and you know, judge, judging by the lyrics, I'm guessing she was in the studio rolling her eyes and thinking, what the hell am I doing in here? Singing about, like, you know, banging Tim- that ass and stuff like
2: that. Timberland charges, like, $700,000 for a beat. So they probably, like, the record company was probably on the hook for, like, seven hundred grand. They already bought a beat from Timberland, <laughs> and they're just like, J- we have to there. use right. this. Do you have any <laughs> idea right. how much money we spent on this? You right. could buy, like, four <laughs> houses <laughs> in Ohio for this. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Or the entire <laughs> island of Sri Lanka. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so as you probably saw this album too, everybody, well, not everybody, there, there were a couple reviewers that, that weren't super thrilled with it, but it received generally positive praise. I'm, I'm looking for more charitable takes here, but uh, right.
0: it's, it's, it's a little hard. One more thing I'll, I'll say about it. And I know we're talking about its construction right now, but I file this. There are certain records I listen to and I go. I have no clue how they even began. How they went about making this in any way, shape, or form. I don't know what the first step is. I don't know what the third step is. Is there a notebook? I don't. I don't even know.
3: That's a good question. It does feel like a swarm of bees very often, <laughs> and I don't know like how. Like you know, I know how you get there, but I don't know how you get there thoughtfully. You know? Well, listen. I I think that. The problem is, in
2: many instances, like she took a song that had already been produced. Like that song was in a studio. They went through production choices and they came up with this song. And then she's adding on top of it because that's right. sort of what her. Contribution is. I'm also producing this song. Well, yeah, but somebody else already produced it. It's a done song, and now you're just layering a bunch of stuff on top. I'll of I'll tell it that and, to Jimmy yeah, Page. It gets <laughs> well, it would be honestly a little bit better if she had like re-recorded these songs right. and not just taken the exact instrumental tracks and put like a, a slightly more modern sounding drum beat behind it.
1: Do you remember that scene in The Office where Michael Scott wrote something on the board and it said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, hyphen Wayne Gretzky, and under that it said hyphen Michael Scott? He just, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, that's, that's, that's most of this album, is just taking that and be like, just a little hyphen with MIA at the bottom.
2: Yeah.
0: And did we confirm, so I know she goes by Maya, like to her friends, but then she also
1: calls herself or is called on the record MIA a few times. So that that, they're both acceptable, right? I believe so. I think Maya is going to be her personal nickname. MIA is supposed to be something about, she might have had a long lost cousin who they would always say they were missing in action, so she took that or something like that. I mean, if your family is part of like an armed
2: guerrilla uprising, I imagine you do have plenty of people that are (laughs) legitimately MIA. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It's a, it's a deeper name that I would have given her credit for I think originally I, I liked this album so much more before I dug into it deeply and I, I again I had put it on months ago when I was like cleaning my house and I was like okay cool it's like yeah frenetic and then like listening to it again and again and again and then listening to all the songs that were the original songs and being like oh wow there's just not a lot of Stuff that you're adding to this, and in fact, in many instances, you are taking away by
1: adding. So, Phil, I think you had said about the Devendra Bonhart album that you had a hard time getting through it, right? Like, you wound up listening to like the first four or five tracks like 12 times or something, right? Same thing kind of happened to me when because I mean, we're coming, we're clocking at 47 minutes and roughly halfway through it's, you know, I, I, I found myself
3: I found myself thinking with this it comparably, I think to Devendra Bonhart and, and honestly, maybe even some of the other records we've we've talked about to this point which is like, some things are wonderful background music, they're wonderful furniture right, you turn them on you cook dinner, you turn them on you get blackout drunk and <laughs> dance, presumably but like when you're actually sitting down with headphones on, like taking them apart, it's a little different, you know, and, and maybe they weren't intended to be listened to that way. Right. So
1: yeah, Tom, right. If this is in a club in the UK and there's glow sticks and you're 24, hell yeah. Every track. Let's get down on this. Right. It's but not forget the drugs, right? <laughs> lots please, lots yes. of MDMA based yeah. drugs. <laughs> But sitting, the same way I, I sit and listen to, like, I don't know, a gentle giant album with my headphones on does not kind of translate to the same way that you listen to this album. Um, I
2: did actually, like, to bring it back to what we talked about last week, I found myself legitimately, like, putting on that Iron and Wine album, The Creek Drank the cr- Cradle, as, like, a palate cleanser after listening to an, <laughs> an album like this. I was like, I, just,
1: I need something to calm me down. This is so, like, uh. so we had said 2007, right? This, this album, everybody loved it. Uh, a majority of it was produced by a guy named Switch, who I think is a he's a, a DJ, a producer. He most notably worked with Beyonce, and uh, there's one or two other kind of super, super huge pop acts. Uh, she also, while in India, uh, there's a guy named Ar Rahman who is known for writing the songs and soundtracks for something like I don't know, 200 Bollywood movies or yeah, he's, something he's like. A, he's he is, a huge name in India. He is the guy. And, Dude, those Bollywood guys, they put in work. They are yeah. a machine cranking that stuff out. And it's usually good too. Like they got the formula. So but I I one thing I did appreciate about her is just the area she didn't seem pretentious was actually recording. Well, if you want to I don't know what was recorded, but like I guess doing the work. Uh so A.R. Rumman in Chennai had offered her this like fifteen million dollar state-of-the-art studio on like his like recording studio campus. She and this producer Switch didn't want any of those, so they went and found like an old abandoned studio that had like, you know, was overrun with roaches and there was one light and there was like a dirty, crusty window, right? And and she liked getting dirty down in there and 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 producing or or doing whatever she did down down in there. So I, I, I kind of appreciated that so the story goes yeah. <laughs> she's was she actually also making a Mai Tai and somebody's rubbing her feet as she's yeah. recording right I was gonna and,
2: say was she like staying in the slums or was she going back to like a you know a five-star
1: hotel
3: maybe it's like method <laughs> acting maybe <Yeah.
1: laughs> Possibly. maybe I'm taking it face value I shouldn't but I'm gonna, i want to I want to assume all right so not a ton on the personnel right like we said I, there aren't musicians in air quotes uh it's a lot of producers a lot of djs who are who are helping to put this thing together a lot
3: of, a lot of role in 505
1: yes the role in 505 which now i kind of want to like dig into a bit more what th- i mean this is not my world at all but
0: diplo is the name that i knew and this was his first he he's the one that produced paper planes and i think this kind of rocketed him to some amount of stardom right i've at least heard of him
1: is my point
3: sure yeah i've heard of him
1: children's toys Diplo's right. Duplo, sorry, it's the dad. And I think he's oh, named after a dinosaur that's a guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm serious. Diplodocus, yeah, I think so. He named himself, or his actual name is Diplodocus. No, he named himself. His name's like oh, okay. Paul or okay. something. Right. <laughs> Thomas Wesley
2: Pence. Oh, yeah. so he sounds like a dud. Total, oh, he's an American. I was going to say, it sounds like a total like British wanker. But right. Uh,
0: right, apparently he's an American. But he produced the, undeniably the best track on the record, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. I like how it was written by M.I.A. and Diplo and Joe Stromer and Mick Jones and Paul Simon and, and, uh, and Tom yeah.
0: Okay, I want to talk. Well, all right. Maybe we should save it for when we get to pair of planes. But I was thinking, do you think that samples – like I wish I had the data on how much samples cost. Because I was wondering if you think – would samples generally be cheaper – if you were getting them from, A, artists who had themselves sampled in their own work, or B, like anti-establishment type artists like The Clash. Like, did The Clash give it up easy or just say, eh, put us on a writing credit, whatever, we'll see what happens. No no charge. Like, what, what I would be willing, to bet the, be willing to bet The Clash do not own the rights to their music
2: anymore. Uh, a lot of those guys sold their rights at some point during their career but, for tons of money.
0: But that must be how they got the writing credit, though. That must be a negotiation, right? That's I don't know. Palmer. Yeah.
2: What I'm saying is that maybe whoever owns the rights to their music gave them the writing credit so that they could get paid because they own the rights to it as opposed to like it's Joe Strummer going and directly negotiating. I don't know specifically.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. And I don't think there's a lot of data about that. I, I was assuming they would have negotiated it instead of a flat fee or in addition to a flat fee. Cause I think in this case, it's particularly odd when you think about the sample where it's taken from in that clash song. I mean, it's a great sample, but it's a, it's the intro to the Clash song. It's not like the whole underpinning of the song. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel like a uh, P. Diddy should definitely give Sting a writing credit, but this doesn't feel like the same thing.
2: Yeah. I also wonder if there is different payment. If you're just like, I will pay you up front to use your sample versus I will give you partial credit for this song and I don't pay you anything, but if it makes money, then you make a part of it.
0: And maybe that's a magnanimous gesture from a noted anti-establishment type band. That's just what it made me wonder. That's all. Yeah, possibly.
2: The one thing I can tell you is that I am sure Timbaland got paid a ton of money for the beat that he put together. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, he would do stuff like he would sell the same beat to like four or five different people. And each of them would be for, you know, like half a million dollars and up. And he'd be like, Yeah, yeah I, I mean, i sold it to three were other people. But...
3: Songs. There were two hit songs that had the same beat in it at the same time at one point.
2: Yeah. Well, and it's he's crazy. just like... Hey, you want the you want the Timbaland treatment? This is the Timbaland treatment. I'll give you this beat. It's uh, it's pretty hot, and he he makes good beats.
1: Cannot rap, <laughs> terrible rap. <laughs> Sorry, should we talk about the songs now? <laughs> yeah. Let's look at some tracks. All right, so we uh, we we broke down. I, I think there's twelve twelve tunes on the album. We're we're gonna look at a handful here. So up first, out of the gate, we got Bamboo Banger, and uh, let's. Uh, Let's listen to a little bit of that.
3: Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.
1: was bamboo banger thoughts
2: listen i don't i don't hate this song um i definitely did not pick up on the romantics lyrics at first Uh, modern lovers modern lovers romantics i'm thinking modern lovers yeah clearly i didn't pick up on it so i you know that is fine i don't necessarily hate that kind of borrowing i there's one thing that i do really like in this song which is like right around two minutes the backups that come in that are like really distorted. It sounds like like a Bollywood sample or something that, like that. Yes, that's I, the ta- yeah, that's the Tamil yeah. song, dude. That's the Tamil song. Yes. Okay, yeah, that
0: is totally the best part of the song, and that song is a jam. Okay, and I can't, I awesome. cannot pronounce the name of the song, but it's on the Spotify playlist. <laughs> it's uh, no, that that was like I was like, that's good texture. That's good
2: additive texture to the song. So much of the texture that gets put into a lot of the songs in this album feel unnecessary. It's a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat. Like, it's the I don't need more texture at this point. It's, you know, you're like hitting me with a sandblaster. But that was like tasteful texture that was added in there. And the other thing that I would say I liked is that On the sort of like anti-Western sort of opulence front, um, I like the line where she's talking about like we're knocking on the door of your Hummer Hummer. We're hungry like the wolf hunting dinner. The vibe that that gave me is like rich Westerners driving through a like really shitty part of a country in like a slum. And like people are like banging on the doors like, you know, can I get some money or something like that. And like that I thought was kind of cool.
3: Also the Duran Duran quote.
2: I, you know what? I don't think Duran Duran can, I don't think Duran Duran can claim hungry hungry like like a wolf. wolf. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like a wolf. Right. I can't
0: believe I'm going to be the one to say this after Tom didn't pick up on this or didn't, didn't call this out as our resident bass player, but I needed more bass dude. Like for the come out song, I feel like the bass was way down. Her weird double quadruple vocal was way out in front with like the drums I need more bass in this banger. I couldn't I couldn't get into it. You know what? Honestly, man,
2: I got to be I got to be frank with you. Like I don't even my brain doesn't even, like, register this as music. So I wasn't like, what is missing here? I'm just like, oh, this is the sound of, like, somebody throwing a bunch of drums down the, down the stairs or something like that. And I'm like, okay.
3: This really, this this song really gives me the vibe of, like, female Bond villain. This is, like, her, like, action fight scene where she's just, like,
1: laying waste. Oh, yeah. You know? The, I could see that, yeah. yeah. That's what
3: I, that was the vibe I got. And that was sort of, I was, like, I was feeling more positive about this record than expected After this first one, because I was like, oh, she's really set the scene as like a sort of Black Widow type, right? She's going to, and then it got weirder and weirder and weirder. See,
0: I I felt the opposite, but it was partly because I don't like being told how to feel about the song during the song. Like you continually telling me it's a banger. (laughs) This doesn't work. That doesn't mean I'm going to like it. That's for the audience to decide, man. This is very Michigan frat boy of you.
3: Yeah. (laughs) You didn't, by chance, do a banger count, did you?
1: I didn't. But <laughs> gun sound effects are at least in, in two songs. I know that. That so. really took away from the paper plans thing for me, too. <laughs> yeah. That really bummed me out when I heard that. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. So on the bamboo banger, there is, she had talked about, there's a case uh, gang-
2: 32, by the way. 30- 32. banger 32 times <laughs> in bamboo banger.
3: Good job, Tom.
1: <laughs> yeah. Then it is indeed a bamboo banger. <laughs> she had referenced a gangster rap group from fort worth texas that she loves from 1993 called genocide two and there's a song called narrow mine right, genocide like the numeral two or like t-o-o oh it's the number two and there's a song called narrow mind but it's spelled narrow mine. Hmm. and this is just one of the most insane things i've ever heard that she listened to this and was and somehow bamboo Banga took, uh, it inspired her. So let's listen to a moment of that.
0: Mama, 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 mama,
3: me turn mad up. Hey, mama, 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 me turn mad up. Mama, 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 me turn mad up. till a man the mic. Me turn up till a man the mic. Me turn mad up. Eject, eject, never get up. Chop too much and then you get chopped up. It hold me right tonight. He just pick up. Shoot your face, your up. Eat on your belly, your belly it cut up. Afterthought, you get chopped up. Then it bites through your jaw, your jaw chopped up. Now you ain't no mouth, no mouth, no mouth,
1: your you have no idea what he's saying but it's it is a (laughs) phil's phil's getting a migraine i
3: just don't understand i don't
1: get it it's she especially loved that 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 guy on that track apparently like lost his mind and rapped for two and a half minutes straight even though you can't understand a thing he says it's just, and so but she was very inspired to write bamboo banga It's
2: the Deventer Bonhart rap. It's just I'm just gonna start (laughs) making nonsense. John is my my (laughs) friend. What other Elvis songs do I know? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) By the way, like I missed opportunity. That genocide numeral two, way worse than genocide as well. Like and also some genocide. That would be a much better way to name it genocide (coughs) (laughs) 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 too.
1: Missed
3: opportunity.
1: (laughs) <laughs> all right so that that was bamboo banga let's jump into another track which is probably one of the most melodious uh, because most of it was taken a, a tune called Jimmy so let's listen to uh, a little a little clip here of Jimmy. Of- Robbie looked like he had something to say.
0: Yeah, this is my favorite song, Save Paper Planes. I was really excited when I heard it. It felt like the song I could hang my hat on because it had a melody. It mm-hmm. had a chorus. It obviously felt very Bollywood or Tollywood as the case <laughs> may be. And I love the texture of that little sequencer that comes after the string line. I thought it was a great synth texture amongst many, many, many textures on this on this record. But like a lot of this, and like we've already said, I got bummed out when I just found out it was a cover of a Bollywood song. And then a lot of the Bollywood song was just put right into the song directly. So I do like the song, but it just bummed me out that it was just a straight-up cover without too much change.
2: Yeah, man. This is the one that hit me the hardest because I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's like Abba meets Bollywood. That's like a really cool sound. I dig it.
1: Disco was a little late getting to India or, you know, that, that region. And this is, you know, yeah.
2: But then I listened to the song, the the actual original song, and I was just like, "Oh, I don't see why you made it better." What? It's like you're just you're putting out a playlist of your favorite songs and masquerading it as an album, and I don't have a lot of respect for that, honestly.
0: This I didn't. <laughs> I just watched a brief clip of the movie this is from, but it's it's about a dancer. It looked like a Saturday Night Fever set in Bombay,
1: basically. That, che- that checks out as well. Yep. Yeah, which I was kind of into. I was like, hmm, maybe I'll watch that. Throw it on the night man <laughs> Sounds very sweaty Just like
2: Saturday Night Fever With like 90% humidity just, well, I mean It's really, way
0: more dancing In all these uh, Indian films too Yeah there she, you, I ever tell you One time I have one Tamil Indian story actually Where I went I was in Chennai in Madras With a friend Who's Tamil And On a lark We went to the movies To see a Tamil movie And they didn't have Subtitles And I was like I'll try this it was it was something close to psychedelic trying to understand what the hell was going on <laughs> trying to make sense because it, those I'll movies are visuals also right. an assault on the senses there's <laughs> dancing there's there's wire tricks there's jumping around and then I'm trying to like make sense of the language which I don't know one iota of <laughs> And and I'm like in there in the theater for two hours just trying to make sense of it. I swear my brain. Oh, they're was long. Fried.
1: It was probably yeah. three and a half hours if yeah. it was a Bollywood movie. <laughs> Those are long. That's funny. So she said she she picked this tune to throw on here because she used to sing this as a kid and it was one of the the happy memories of uh, when she was with her mom. Her mom would kind of egg her on and be like, "Go ahead and sing Jimmy," the actual song from the 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 movie. So Jimmy Acha. It's good. It's a jam. Also
0: of note of Montreal, then covered the uh, MIA version and even did, I think did a slightly better job than her of it. It It's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Montreal's a band of Montreal Montreal is a band. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, all right.
0: Kind of a indie pod Rocky. It's kind of just a dude too, right? I think (laughs) technically it's one guy, but it is a band. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen them play They're They're a band and they do a lot of harmony. It it'll, it'll almost give you a gentle giant feel just to bring it back to you, Adam. Oh, all right. There, there's some oh, gentle giant esque stuff, and there's probably some other stuff you won't like. But that's all. I I, I need a, again a palate cleanser this week.
2: It was weird to hear the guy from of Montreal who was like super precious and white. Singing about going to Rwanda and taking a genocide tour and stuff like that—it seems—it seems it a little out of place. But th- these lyrics also seem out of place. I'm like, I'm trying to find a narrative flow to it. And uh, is she saying that she has a a guy that she's pining for that like is traveling all over the world to these?
1: He's pining places? for her, is my understanding, that, and uh, and trying to impress her or something, right? So she's ignoring his his instant messages
0: and all that stuff. I, I, yeah, I read that about the the MIA part of the song
1: as well. But yeah, it feels like a great example of just shoehorned in political, in quotes, lyrics to me. Did you notice in terms of her her lyrics that she will write four lines and then just repeat them? And that's one verse. Did like I normally the half, right, you've got... <laughs> That happened a lot, and like I was walking around today listening to be like, or I, I went and looked at some of the lyrics, and I was like, I see a pattern here. There's, like, one thought, and it's not a full verse, so she just repeats it, and there's your verse.
2: You know, again, I feel like listening to some of these albums, It's it's the same thing with, like, Morrissey in the studio, where he's just like, yeah, off the note, whatever, who cares? That's just my style. Like, these are all these, like, tricks to easier songwriting, where it's like, man, writing these lyrics is really hard. I'm just going to repeat what I already wrote. There we go style
0: choice it's Moving good on.
3: enough for the led zeppelin one it's good enough for me
0: so <laughs> <laughs> really you're where, really it's really well on where it all started
2: isn't it <laughs> you're getting uh, you're getting the the page disses in pretty hot and heavy on this one <laughs> i thought we we're gonna be hard pressed to get some page disses in but now you've been layering them on <laughs> never never disappoints thank you phil they i just by the way just how completely dated it is that she mentions you hit me up on aim aim (laughs) AI right (laughs)
1: come on (laughs) using aim yeah me and my wife flirted on AIM like you know 18 years ago or something so somewhat somewhat dated reference but it's it's a you know 15 year old album too I, I thought
0: she was trying to force a rhyme more than uh more than being dated personally but that was my interpretation of the aim comment
2: I don't. I never used AIM. So, but I guess I think in two thousand seven that was. I mean, it's harder to rhyme that than it's easier to rhyme that than
0: MySpace, which I guess would have been more. <laughs> other <laughs> other
2: <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> she rhymed <and> it with
0: <laughs> like, with, yeah, she rhymed it with like kicking game or something. So I'm sure she could have yeah, done something yeah. else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All
1: right. So that's that's Jimmy. Uh, we're moving on next to quite possibly the oddest not oddest song I've ever heard, but well, it, it's near the top. Up, up next is Mango Pickle Down River Let's roll a couple, couple seconds of this gem so you guys can see what it's all about.
2: When the free low, we go to the river swim. When we go fishing, we catch in the grin.
3: When the river's on we jump off the bridge. When now we hit home we play some beach <laughs> man, Wally, this I my hat and my team, I mean. To be the captain, that's my dream. When I
1: so, have you listened to the original of this? I went on a YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and, and listened to it and watched it's the little video. It's the same song. It's the, it's the exact same. And then the she just song. brings in a verse at the end where she says, I like mango pickle. And. Yeah, it gets outrapped by nine year olds. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. oh, cool. All right. I mean, yes, <laughs> <That's>... but <laughs> can we all agree that these kids are now old enough and they could take our making fun of them? Because yes. they're not yes. good rappers, right? This... No, no, no. They're <laughs> bad. They are
3: bad. Uh, it's yeah, this it's was adorable. Terrible. I, this, was, this was definitely a point in the record where I felt like – I wanted what to rethink this whole going? thing we've decided to do here.
1: <laughs> right. I'm second-guessing my life
0: decisions. <laughs> yeah, when I, Before I knew any of the story behind it or what was going on, I thought it was
1: just a super gimmicky rapping granny kind of thing. <laughs> I like, I it's thought not they... working. <laughs> I thought it was a rapper and they had changed his vocal, you know, they'd used like a, a detuner or something. I was like, oh, maybe there's a reason that, uh, you know. She wants a kid on the album or something. I don't know.
2: The most charitable read of this is I'm like, oh, maybe she's just trying to get these kids paid. Because, like, it's pretty obvious that they're just, like, poor indigenous yeah. kids from, like, a really poor part of Australia singing about, like, fishing because they need food, basically. <laughs> like, and, and, the uh, and they play the didge. And they play the didge. And so, hey, man, you know, if these kids got paid... Good on her work of charity. I don't know. I mean, they did get writing credit, so I'm sure this sold a lot of albums. They probably got some kind of cut of it.
0: But I don't think they're on the track. It's not like she went and hooked up with them, right? That's what makes it feel a little suspicious. uh, She just took the YouTube video. Like any other (laughs) other kids (laughs) that got some songs I could take? (laughs) Repurpose?
2: That's a good point. She didn't bring them into the studio. But she did record in Australia, right? Gotta
0: get
1: that
2: dig.
0: Yeah. yeah, you gotta, you gotta go binge. pretty far out to get to Wil Kania though. I looked at it on the map. It's like it's next in, to Wakanda, right?
1: It's <laughs> in the outback, dude. I mean, it's in there. Jesus. You gotta want to go there for sure. <laughs> so right before I heard this track, so I started listening to this a week ago, and I think my first note to Tom was, "Ouch, this is gonna be like a rough listen after the first two tracks or whatever." And Tom. Tom, you helped like, you know, put me in a good spot to try to be objective with it. And I said, All right, well, let me let me give this a fair listen. And as I was working through the album, Tom, you had sent another song on Spotify, which was somebody had done like research to find out what the most annoying sounds, song progressions, all this stuff, and wrote like a song called This Song Shouldn't Exist or something like that. And one of the prevalent things in there is children singing and i listened to that part and then the, the next the next song i heard was this kid's rapping album and i was like oh my god she did exactly what you shouldn't wait do. hold on is it children singing individually or in a group because i feel like in a, in, a in a
0: gang it it can work right it okay. can't
2: work no this is it's children singing about how you should shop at Walmart. It's called <laughs> the most unwanted song. It's really yes. kind of amazing. There's like a opera singing rapping cowboy and like mobs of children and two accordions that are not in tune with each other. Yes. It's pretty hard to listen to. Like it's atrocious. Very well done. I, it's I, funny I, because
3: in my memory, that's one bank. Play.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no, there is also bagpipes,
0: so but there are oh, two course. accordions that are out of tune with each you can't other. Can't have a terrible song without bagpipe, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I just when you said children singing was bad, it just made me think of a good record. Have you guys heard that Langley music, Langley Schools Music Project record? I oh, no, Released it back about? in the in the sixties. It's like a kids' music program, and they just sing all these like hits from the sixties. It's basically it's, the kids' bop of that era. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's like a kids' elementary school choir kind of thing. They, they sing, like, I'm into something good, and they do, like, a version of Space Oddity. Anyway, it's good.
2: Okay. I thought you were going to be like, have you guys heard that album, The Wall? <laughs> Where they have <laughs> It's a pretty cool song. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called Another Brick in the Wall, Part 2.
3: <laughs> <It> makes sense <laughs> if you listen to the record. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Give it give it a try. Give it a try I think you might like it <laughs> so the last thing on this song before we go i I was not able to confirm this 100 percent for sure but wrapping it back to I think what was our second episode that sample at the end where he's going that's going the bridge the, the, the bridge that is from the MC Shan song The Bridge produced by Marley Marl which is what started the bridge wars between the the Brooklyn and the Queensbridge guys so yeah. Marley Marl Produced song for the bridge actually is sampled on this song. I'm like 99% positive that that. I couldn't get any kind of independent verification, but I've listened to that song a lot to make sure that it was like the exact same sample, but I'm pretty sure it's the same sample.
1: When the river's hot, we jump off the bridge, and when we home, we play some <laughs>
0: So
1: deep dive. Well, <laughs> we need like a I sound was, uh, effect. Deep dive, 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 dive. <laughs> No,
2: I, I was yeah, casting about for, for next things week. to yeah. <laughs> get that yeah. air raid siren behind it. No,
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: like I, li- I literally was like, "How can I keep myself interested in this?" And I was like, "Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I made it to the end of the song. I need to reward myself in some way." <laughs>
0: I just can't get over how bad the rapping is.
1: <laughs> my name is Wally, and I am here. I like food, and so do you. And again, I feel bad because they're they're children, they're children, and I'm making fun of but but don't worry, we're gonna have another chance to make fun of exploited
0: they're, children. They're, they're grown up poor people now.
2: <laughs> oh my God. Oh, they honestly, they probably did pretty well off of the the.
1: The hits uh, if you on that look up YouTube like
2: video, yeah. Well, like they have yeah. no. downriver.com.au dot au slash about. Like they have their own website just about that song. It's clearly the only thing they ever did.
1: Yeah. Hopefully, they they hawk some t shirts, maybe some uh, I don't know, some mad swag or something. <laughs> All right. We might
3: want to touch that in post. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Adam. Saying
2: mad swag. Yeah, All right. Swag. <laughs> Let's when drop does this next break. banger. <laughs> 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 and by the way, Adam, every time you say banger as opposed to banger, it right. sounds a little racist. I'm just going to be uh, <laughs> the honest. The song with you says banger. B A N G A. Yeah, but you say it. You know you're saying it with an accent. You with could a say British banger. British accent. Hmm. Okay. Right.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. All right. <laughs> Rob's dying, which which means mission accomplished. <laughs> I'm so, so happy. I'm a couple beers deeper. <laughs> yes. I probably need another one. All right, next up on our tour of this uh, of this album here, we, we've got a tune called Twenty Dollar. <laughs> so let's uh, let's crank twenty dollar. <laughs> let's cl- let's crank this Gemma up. Night, all right, so this this is a tough Wait. tune, but let me make you feel bad, okay? This This song is the sister song to one on the first album called $10. This is $20. Both are about exploited children and sex trafficking <laughs> and uh, child soldiers. This is supposed to make me feel better? So let's <laughs> shit all over
0: the well, song now. <laughs> I was familiar with the ten dollars song, and I, okay, I came okay. up with that. On, yeah, I think because it got sampled on a girl talk record or something like that. Okay, but uh, yeah, the fact that it's this—this this is what really started my inquiry into this whole covers album thing. That I was like, wait, this is Blue Monday, and I was like, wait, this is <laughs> sure where is. is my mind? Like, what is? Sure like, what is. did MIA contribute to this <laughs> song? This is extremely lazy sampling. Mm-hmm. This is a bad version of sampling. Or if that's even called sampling, borrowing, thieving, whatever you right. call it. It's bad. Yeah, it's a bad is, song. What,
3: what is that? What, like, where, uh, this this really does play with the question of, like, where does plagiarism begin?
2: Oh, if you submitted this for, like, if you were in, like, a collegiate music program, Pure you real. submit this for, like, your final project, you would probably flagged. get thrown out for plagiarism. Right. Yeah. They'd be like, okay, it's just a pixie song that you slow down and sang the words to really oddly.
1: Very sour. Um, yeah,
2: it's very the, the, the is my overlapping,
1: mind. sour, uh, dissonant, out yes. of, pitch, out of right. pitch
2: words. Well, I had one really pitchy take, so let's throw another pitchy take on top of it, and hopefully, <laughs> those <let's> count. <it. laughs>
1: Uh, Maya, I'm not sure that's how it works. Shortest, let's go. Uh, listen, as an artist, I think I know, right? <laughs> it's a statement. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So,
0: so you're a- saying to the Adam's point, it's supposed to be about how $20 is enough to buy an AK 47 or whatever, right? Yep. Except or, that she doesn't really sing about that. She sings the she lyrics doesn't. to the Pixie song. Right. <laughs> yeah.
3: She she <laughs> says something she says something about monkey brains. And is that a lyric in the Pixie song that I never noticed before? <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure about that. I
2: don't think so. <laughs> monkey brains and banana, I'll hit you with my antenna. That's not yeah, a good rhyme. <laughs> yeah. I put soap in my eye to make it look red so I look rah rah rah. Okay. So I woke up with my holy Quran and found out I like Allah, Allah So we're shooting till the song is up, little boys are acting up, baby mamas are going crazy And the leaders are all around cracking up
3: So I woke up with my holy and found out I like uh,
2: you know, she's clearly trying to say something, but she's not doing a very do good job of saying she's
0: something.
3: Trying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just distracted by you mashing two other hit songs together. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pretty popular song. Here's something
3: I can say that I think is pretty positive. I really like where they went with the synthesizer sound for the baseline of the New Order song. Uh, (laughs) 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 I think they really like dialed in like a nice, cool, like thick sound (laughs) for the uh, baseline uh, from that other song that they
1: used. Yeah,
0: that that is indeed a classic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, ah. gents, let's, let's move on to, uh, to Paper Planes. This is the big hit. This one, just to give you some context, Paper Planes has, hang on, let me go hit uh, hit Spotify here. I think last time I checked, it was 400 million, 430 million <laughs> streams on that. The next biggest one is 13 million with the Timbaland one, which we'll, we'll touch on momentarily. Sometimes
3: I think sitting on trains. Every stop I get, I'm clocking that game. Everyone's a winner, we're making our fame. Bonafide hustler, making my name.
0: Was this recorded at the end, at the beginning? Do you know anything about it? It doesn't fit with any of the other tracks. I don't understand it. I really don't. I liked this song when I first heard it. I thought it sounded like the future then. I still right. kind of think it sounds like the f- It still sounds interesting and good to me. Mm-hmm. It's a good use of sampling. The gunshot sample used as a both a rhythmic element and as like a chorus lyrical element is really, or at least it struck me as extremely clever. I'd never heard anything like that before. I, it's possible I'm missing the history there and it has melody (laughs) i don't know like it doesn't belong with any of (laughs) these other songs yeah why did they put it second to last
3: i
2: found very
3: very confusing as well very confusing
2: yeah again it's just it's song ordering Uh, like but maybe this is the kind of thing where she's not thinking about it like people are going to listen to this
1: from in start or, to finish, right? That's yeah. probably not a thing that a lot She's of people. Like, if I thought you were going to
2: have to put up with more than five minutes of this, I'd have made it like way less frenetic, and <laughs>
3: uh, you know, in I your face. I you were going to listen like... to this. I'd have made I yeah, you it different.
2: Like, I mean, how much seconds, can you take? Right?
0: Yeah. I, I also like. I mean, just speaking of my own personal opinion of sampling, I think where I like it or where it works for me is when a piece of an underappreciated track or an underappreciated part of a known track as in this clash straight to hell is the sampled track there. And it's, I think it was a single or something for the clash, but it's not one of their top 10 most known songs. And it's not the, even the main part of the song. It's not like in the chorus. So using that to me is just a good idea around sampling Take a little piece you like. That, that That tells me that you're sort of a crate diver, that you hear something you like. You go, let me try to repurpose that, right? As opposed to in the last song when you just took the main lines from two very well-known songs and mashed them together. And I don't know, thought we wouldn't notice, didn't care if we would notice, unclear.
2: Or maybe it's one of those like, I bet people have never heard this Pixies song and probably won't notice
1: that this is, you know, Blue Monday. Maybe that's where Timbaland would have helped. Right, like somebody with Western sensibilities. uh, a lot of people know this tune. Or, yeah, yeah. When know. did Flight Club come out? It was before this, right?
3: Well, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Two thousand. was like ninety-seven, probably ninety-eight. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Because I feel like that's really. I've well, I think that's what put the Pixie song on the map for the mainstream a little bit. Yeah, it's
2: ninety-nine. Flight Club came out, so yeah, definitely. Well. In the mainstream.
0: Here's something I hadn't heard about, about paper planes or hadn't even thought of, but I, I read it in an article. I just wondered if you guys... And I know because Tom has a personal connection to the song, I, I think, somebody compared the chorus or called the chorus a ripoff of the Rump Shaker chorus. <laughs> <laughs> all I want to do is zoom, 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 zoom in a boom, boom. Oh, <laughs> shake your rump. It has the same cadence. It has right. the same cadence. Yeah. I, did not, I did not pick up on that on my own at all.
2: Yeah, I think that all I want to do... You can't, you can't say that. That's a bit that. of a
1: stretch. Yeah. Man.
2: One thing I will say about this song, Adam, is directly to your point earlier, this song could be half as long because everything is doubled. <laughs> every every fucking chord. First it is, is Rump Shaker!
3: <laughs>
0: I'm telling you, I, once once you look at it, it kind of is. The zoom, zoom, zoom is like, like the pop, gunshots, pop, 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 and then the kids sing. It has a very similar feel. <laughs> well, Rob says
2: I have a personal connection to this song, which is like, you guys will probably remember this. Do you remember uh, our gym teacher? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That guy. Just yes. think of yes. the words Dick. you just
3: said. I know. <laughs>
2: yes. Uh, our gym teacher who was going through, like, a horrible divorce this last year that he was teaching us and would clearly be just brutally, blisteringly hungover all the time, just throw balls out in the middle of the, of the gym and be like, just, just do it. Anyway, I, I, I had this, like, very memorable, like, conversation that took place between him and Danny all right, so this is during the time when like Rump Shaker was out, and Danny talking about Rump Shaker and like how he liked that song, and he's like, "Yeah, but you know, like that that music video, like, yeah, all, all the girls in it are black, so like, I don't know if I can get down to it." And Coach Dick just goes, "Hey, man, a butt's a butt." <laughs> And I was like the creepiest delivery. And, like, that's not how you deal with casual racism from a sixth grader. That's not how you deal with it. Like, he was just like, hey, man, listen,
3: butts a butt. <laughs> yeah.
1: And now you know with exactly. that star from,
3: from ABC
1: in the mornings on Saturdays. Hey
3: uh, it's come to my attention that there were a lot of questionable decisions being made by adults in and around the schools. Of <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that is true. That's for another that's for another uh, entirely dedicated <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> to be clear, Tom, I thought you once told me this was the first piece of music you owe. You owe. You bought like a single and this is like one of the first things you bought or something. I, 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 I did, thought I remember I, that story. I did actually buy this cause single After hearing today. that discussion No, this is, two
2: and my like, talking about Rump Shaker
0: now.
2: <laughs> rump yes. Shaker, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rex yeah. and effects is in effects, and now I'll wreck it. Uh,
0: anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then re-listening to the song, I forgot that he mentioned Delaware. Yes. That's Delaware shit. Yes. I'll, I'll tickle you in Delaware. He's talking like, about driving between D.C. and New York or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. It's not a great song. It's a very uh, it's odd song that, like, my parents were just okay with me, like, listening to this song where the guy's it very dirtily sexual but yeah i bought that i think at the time i was like trying to be friends with <laughs> and like thankfully my mom was like behind the scenes putting the kibosh on that because my life turned out a lot better
1: <laughs> all he wanted to do was zoom zoom and boom boom so it's pretty <laughs> innocuous. A yeah. so i i gotta ask so i i read that when she performed this song on letterman for the first time they didn't use the gunshot sound effect my question to you do you think it was because of like censorship or do you think the fact that it was a studio audience and that gunshot is so far forward in the mix that people may have thought that there was a gun in the studio? Thoughts?
2: That's censorship.
1: 100% censorship. <laughs> <laughs> that, they would have heard that, the they could have gotten people out of the, the seats though. I mean, Adam's
0: not totally wrong. I think it was censorship. It's but. so
1: loud. I mean, it, it drowns out everything. That is, are you guys but me But though? that's, that's cool. You're right. It's the first time I'd heard something and it it's makes innovative. the song stick in my head. Yes, it, for sure. It was an
0: innovative way to use something like that. And, and you know, and the cash register too, obviously the, the combination of those things to put in the cadence, to put effectively in as lyrics to me felt very original. And when we heard the other gunshot sample in one of the songs that we didn't talk about world town or something like that, that really cheapened it for me. <laughs> that really took something, seriously, that took something away from it.
2: She's like I bought this gunshot sample. I paid like 9.99 for it. I got to get my it. Tim Timbaland sold that. it to me
0: for $75,000. So. I got some ease out of it. it twice.
2: Uh, the one, you know, so it by the way, it took me for a long time and this is like total meaningless, but it took me a long time to understand that like the line I fly like paper, get high like planes that she's talking about fly paper and you know being like poor and growing up in you know, Sri Lanka, they probably had a lot of fly paper out. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because for a long time, I was like, you fly like paper. What the hell does that mean? That means nothing. And then I learned it and I was like, okay, It still doesn't make the lyrics any good. <laughs> I she didn't could know just that, be no, mumbling right. the entire time. Right. Like, she could not be saying any words until that chorus and it wouldn't make any difference. She
0: could just be going, so this is the first time I looked into the lyrics at all myself as well. And I, What I heard was that it was about – that paper was referring to the visa paper, like an arbitrary piece of paper that they could forge potentially that allows you to fly around. And that also – and this just never occurred to me before, maybe perhaps I'm the only one, I'm being naive, that the chorus is about perception of immigrants as being like only there to take your jobs and rob you. That that
1: never occurred to me before, honestly. I never thought about it, but – it did not occur to me either. And Rob, until I went to like, I don't know, some lyrical analysis site on the internet that I read that like basically what you said. So it, a bit over my head. Yeah. yeah.
0: The track works to me. It still works. Yeah. I, yep. I remember thinking it was great when I heard it on, I don't know, on the pineapple express soundtrack or something, the the trailer, wherever it, it first hit the mainstream. And I think it still works now. I, I just, I don't know what it's doing on this album with all these other songs. Speaking of, let's go to the last song. There's a
1: reason why it had 400 million views. All right, our listens. Here we go. So rounding up, by the way, there's a a bunch of other releases of this. Like apparently it was released in Japan with another five tracks. Maybe we got lucky. We (laughs) 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 Phil,
2: we're going to send you back to listen to this album with five more tracks. All right. I'm just going to watch the defeat.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I can't it's exhausting.
1: Song, All right, free so jazz. So this is the this is the Timbaland jam, right? So he's listed in the credits as producer. I don't know if he wrote the lyrics. It sounds like he wrote the lyrics. Uh it feels like he did most of it and then He's written he's
2: listed as a writer too. He is it. Timothy Mosley. Tim, right.
1: Tim Yeah. So it sounds like he basically wrote this, put it together and then left the spots for her to wherever she was uh come in and throw down her her tracks. So let's give a little listen to come around.
3: the Mm.
1: And that's what you a get baby. when you drop half a million dollars to Timbaland. You get yourself a hit. <laughs> you get yourself that. The um, man makes good beats. I will. He makes yeah. good beats. Yeah, again, last, last two songs on the album are the most compelling, and they bury, they bury them as far down yeah, as. Yeah, that's can. weird.
3: That's right. a weird choice. Strange yeah. choice.
2: Yeah. Well it's almost like I think those last two songs are the ones that are probably clearly the most commercially available like success accessible maybe it was like a statement against that she's like no I'm I want to talk about pickled mangoes with right. 9 year olds and scream in tumble at you." honestly I don't I don't know why you would put this song last I like this song more than I like paper planes upon repeat listens I must say I think there's more going on with it but I also feel like if she did do the entire album with Timbaland, it would have just been a kind a Timbaland of album. Lost in the yeah, lost in the shuffle of that time period
0: type of right. album. Yeah, my my only complaint about it is it sounds like other stuff. I, I, I agree it's more accessible and thus better, but it sounds like other stuff. Whereas to me, Paper Plane stands out as something different and, and yet still accessible. So that's that's sort of why that one wins for me. I would say you're right, but I I just think this song is better produced.
2: Like, I think the production on this song is better and more tasteful, generally.
3: Something that I think is is really interesting about the last song, specifically, even when compared to Paper Planes, but definitely when compared to something earlier in the record like Boys or Bird Flu, is, like, the insane... Timberland has a very different conception
1: of space in the music,
3: right? Like, there's all sorts of breathing
1: room where it's like around his vocals. Right. Yeah. Like the vocals, yeah, his vocals the, come the in.
3: MIA and, stuff. Like it's, it, it is more like I'm going to fill in every block. Like there's going to be a sound in every block of the grid, you know, and they're going to be
2: coming at you. Oh God. Imagine what the sheet music of this would look like.
0: It would just be like no rests the entire time. Just a wall of stuff. It's like that page that uh Zappa would hand out to his uh, auditioning guitar players. Yeah. Right that old story that old chestnut <laughs>
1: there there was a there was a story that that MIA told that when she was in Trinidad and this kind of speaks to like being an artist and not really a musician i want to say but where she was going to yeah, put down that. one of these tracks and she just went to like a party that happened to be going on around her hotel where she was staying and she was like i need speakers and then, so she rented the guy a wedding or a party, whatever. She rented the guy's speakers and came back with Switch or somebody, and she had a microphone. She didn't have headphones, so they just set them up and they laid down the tracks with her listening to the speaker next to the microphone. And to me, that's just lazy, you know. <laughs> or it, it's maybe it had a sound to it, or maybe that's super Bush innovative. Lake. It's a rookie, is rookie it, mistake? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's you do
2: buy headphones. They cost. Yeah, like $8 I was gonna say
1: if days. you can find a microphone, you could probably find earbuds <laughs> yeah. somewhere.
2: If you had told the guy that you were buying the right. speakers he off of, given what given you it. wanted to do, he'd be right. like I have headphones. I'll give them to you, man. <laughs> just, just They're basically them. disposable these days.
1: You're MIA, right? You had that help in 2005.
2: Yeah, she has more money than all of us. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> Timberland yeah. cannot rap. Timberland is a terrible <laughs> rapper. And not only is he a terrible rapper in terms of like his delivery is not great, like, he, he, his cadence is, is good to the point where I can tell what he's trying to say, but right. what he says is so goddamn trite and so stock like that's uh, listening to that that's the, I I was picturing that scene in that Metallica documentary with Lars's dad which is just like it sounds stock you know like it sounds stock <laughs> it's like that's it sounded stock to me I was like did you like Lars is like all, the most crestfallen that any human being <laughs> could ever be by the disapproval of his father uh, what's the opening line when he says he listens to what he says I think you should take this and put it in the garbage. It's <laughs> so like, wow, Dad. No wonder your son became an alcoholic. Right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like the minimal amount of effort possible. To write these lyrics and so out of place with everything else that goes on on this album i can't uh, i can't believe that she heard those lyrics and didn't go back to him and be like can you not write lyrics about how i'm just like a disposable fuck all right. that you can throw away like my, yeah.
1: my favorite line if you ever want to pick up a woman in, anywhere is to walk up to them and say don't get fat let me hit that
2: no 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 he does not say don't get fat let me hit that what and he says what is,
1: is he, it can't be much better say the night the Make me
0: wait You just might miss your chance I'm gonna tell you the truth land I'm the motherfucking man Today's the day, girl Let me get that Don't get mad and fat, let me hit that I've been killing them I break backs Come down, run down Girl, where you place at?
2: Today's the day, girl Let me get that Don't get mad In fact, let me hit that
1: Oh Yes
2: I've been okay. killing them I break backs oh my <laughs> God. And, Adam, and Adam
0: thought it was Don't get mad and fat Right <laughs> <laughs> Either one.
2: You that can't do be either. Worse. That'd be worse. <laughs> right.
0: yeah. Don't get mad. Don't get fat. Let me
2: get that. Yeah. <laughs> if you have to get one, I'm going to choose mad. Okay? That's,
3: like, that's like everybody loves Raymond as a gangster rapper.
1: <laughs> Very funny, Raymond.
3: Oh, see, he opens
2: up, and the opening line that Timberland says is Baby girl, you and me need to go to your TP." Oh, teepee. my. <laughs> It's like, he was like, oh, was she like Indian? Okay, I got it. He's like, no, no, Timbaland. Well, not Jay-Z, that Jay-Z kind of Indian. Z got away with
1: that, <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, hey, baby girl, you and me need to go to
0: your TP. The moon's full and I'm shining. Baby, I know you see me. I'm
1: Crazy got, got away with that line about feather or dot, right? So maybe he was taking his lead.
2: Oh, there's that song Girls where he's like, I got a Italian girl. I got an Indian girl. I got a, I got a Southern girl. He talks about all the different kinds of girls he has. And uh, spoiler alert, none of them flattering. None of it's flattering at all.
1: I refuse to believe that. No one
2: will be like, oh, me? Oh, oh. Well, thank
1: you, sir. All right, gents. So that was where we're going to uh, we're going to round this one out there with MIA's 2007 release Kala. So let's uh let's go around the room. Uh Phil, why don't we start with you?
3: Guys, I I can give this a a, a strong no. It, honestly, this one gave me it, It gave me pause to think about, like, what is an album you have to listen to? And how do you get to 1,001 of this? What is the bar? I don't know. But I'm going to be thinking about that question more. But I'm certain that this isn't going to make the list. It also probably pre-eliminates some other records that might come up in the future. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to go no on this. It was too frantic and it left me feeling tired in a bad way.
2: I'm going to be willing to bet that the guy who put that list together did not listen to this whole album. I bet you he's like,
0: I've heard Paper Planes. That, That's that on the list. Yeah, it would just logistically take a long time to listen to 1,001 albums while doing research for a book. So
3: I
2: agree.
0: probably skimmed through a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so...
2: I liked this album more before I had to listen to it multiple times. I certainly liked it before I examined its origins. It's a rare thing that uh, the more that I learn about art, the less I like it. But that was definitely the case this time. I will, however, say I think it actually probably should go on the list. Not, again, because I like it or even that I like what it inspired down the road but I do think that like there's a genre of music I don't particularly like but I think that for this particular genre of music it, it, is, it was impactful and so I will give it a yes but again I don't like it I will never listen to it again but I'm glad I
0: listened to it the one time or the eight times I had to listen to it this week <laughs> yeah I came into this conversation on the fence wondering I'm sure some of the same things you guys did about what it means to belong on the 1001 albums you must hear before you die list. Ultimately for me, it's going to be a no, not only for all the reasons we described, which is the more we dug into this, the less I felt like MIA actually contributed to the, the creativity and then the parts that she did contribute seemingly I I didn't care for and and made me feel exhausted as, as Phil said uh, and feel old. Generally I was teetering mostly for the reason that Tom mentioned, Which is that if this is going to be, I do believe it's important to get a diet of non-Western music into your ears. I 100% agree with that. And I just don't feel like this is a great representative sample. I think this is a little hacked together, a little, uh, yes, I think Phil said frantic or frenetic, both of those things. Ultimately, just not not just feels like a rehash of a lot of other stuff. So I think there are better representations of non-Western music. I hope we find some on this list and talk about them. Absolutely. Expand your palette. Absolutely.
1: I'm not sorry I heard it, but I won't be listening to it again. And it's a no for me. All right. Track one, as I worked my way through this album, that did actually grow on me. Uh, I probably listened to the album in some fashion, probably 10 to 12 times throughout the last week. That first tune, Bamboo Banger, grew on me a lot. Do you like how I, I, again, I, I said it right, <laughs> even though it's listed as banger, but by her own admission, she said that this album is like a transition. She said it, it you know, she, she said it wasn't about being a musician or saying stuff. <laughs> it's like, well, what is it then? And having listened to a bit of her 2005 album, I feel like that may have had a shot at at actually uh, getting my yes because of the genre mixing and coming in with that political aspect. But for me, this 2007 album Kala is a no. So there we have it. Three to one. Tom, we respect your decision, but it's uh, it's overall a no for me. M.I.A.'s Kala. I'm
2: and, not crying about that. i right? <laughs> totally fine with it not making the list. But I was voting my conscience on that one. <laughs> Well done, sir. Well done. Look at me taking a stand. (laughs) I'm a hero. (laughs) You're an artist, Tom. You should make a record. As an artist, I feel qualified to say that, yes. You
3: can expand exponentially now under that moniker. so you're good. All
1: right, Tom, let's throw it over to you in the Albinator 2000. 5,000. 5, 5, Albinator are five thousand. We seriously are... stack
3: the deck because, like, we're only like ten or eleven deep in the last couple.
0: Are tough. Are I... there any? Is there any of these records worth listening to, Tom? <laughs> Spin
2: the wheel. Okay, come on, Spin Smash the wheel. Mouth.
0: Come on, Smash Mouth.
2: <laughs> it's the Shrek two soundtrack. <laughs> 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 no. Um. All right. So, uh, yeah, we got the Albinator five thousand. We're gonna give it, a, give it a whirl. Ready to go? So. Drum roll, please! Next week we will be doing. Oh, I think this is going to be a quite a change of pace. Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique. Let's find out how to do sampling. Right,
0: right. (laughs) Additive sampling. Additive sampling. I think we've already mentioned Paul's (laughs) Boutique a couple. Hey, huge surprise! A bunch of forty-year-old white dudes like the Beastie Boys. (laughs)
1: Also, huge shocker: Adams never heard this album. I've never heard this album. What? I, I was. When were you guys listening to this? And I'll tell you what I was listening to at the time. What year? High school for me. High school. I high school. Was, was, college. Yeah, it's like college for me. I was still probably burning through my old man's albums. Oh, you were listening hard, to Hoobastank, and you know it. it. Hey, Hoobastank <laughs> wasn't until 2002 when I had to play their stuff. Then I started getting on Hoobastank. <laughs> I had time for more than one record. imagine that i had i was limited to vinyl (laughs) only the vinyl in my old man's closet
2: yeah that's what happens when uh you know you hang out with a bunch of other idiots who just sit around smoking weed and not going to class you got a lot of time to listen to
0: albums (laughs) well then i so i will be interested to hear adam's take then because i think yeah i think this is one that that does uh, grow on you a little bit rewards some re-listening and um but yeah i'm curious to see what adam's kind of fresh take is on it cool
3: I, I will guess ahead of time that Adam is going to maybe suggest that there's some tuning problems, <laughs> <laughs> some
1: pitch issues. I'm just going to pre-record uh, that and drop it into every episode. Oh, okay? uh, that's great. All right. Well, that's it for this week. We're going to wrap things up as always. How did we do? Did we get anything wrong? Did we get anything right? Are you really pissed off or do you love us? You can email us at 1001 complaints at gmail.com. And uh, if you're sufficiently angry maybe we'll, or sufficiently nice, maybe we'll read it on air. So for 1001 Album Complaints, I am Adam. I am Phil. I'm Rob. And I am Tom. And we'll catch you next week. Boosh!